Hello, world, and welcome back to the Sales Synergistics Podcast. I'm excited today because this is a topic that's been close to my heart ever since I picked up the book, The Messenger is a Message, a long time ago. And I am now privileged to be joined by not one, but two guests on the podcast today, the co-author of The Messenger is a Message, Ms. Dina Zinnick, and also Ms. Liz Richardson, both uh, coming from the industry of advocate marketing. And I'm looking forward to talking about today. And I think you guys are really excited to be here too. Am I right, guys? We are. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're looking to do more in your organization with advocate marketing and get that 650% ROI on your marketing dollars, stay tuned and listen about what advocate marketing is doing for people just like you. Welcome to another great day of the podcast, guys. Uh, this is the first time that I've had two guests on my show at the same time. I'm really excited. I've got Miss Liz Richardson here. Say hello, Liz. Hello, everyone. And wh where are you calling in from, Liz? I am actually in Birmingham, Alabama. Oh, thank goodness. I so see I'm a Georgia boy born and raised, and so I say, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also joined by her good friend and, and partner, Miss uh, Dina Zinnick who is the co-author of The Messenger is the Message from a little further north. How are you doing, Dina? Hey, I'm doing very well up here in the Great White North. That's right. Uh, specifically, where in the north are you right now? I am about an hour outside of Vancouver in British Columbia, and uh, there is no snow on the ground. It's a beautiful, lovely day here uh, today. Very, very happy to be here. Uh, but guys, as we talked about before the call, Today is all about you and what you have dedicated so much of your lives to in the field of advocate marketing. So I was wondering if you could just help me level set with the group. I still feel like even right now, as we've set up this, this call, there's a lot of people who still don't know what you do for a living. If maybe you all could help us out and level set for a few minutes, just a little advocate marketing 101. What is it and why have you dedicated your lives to it? Um, I'll take it, Dita, but you follow up here. So I think you're right on, Jason. I have explained what I do to people so many times, um, and it's a little hard for them to wrap their heads around all the time. But um, when you do get it, you get it, and, it, and it's very exciting. Uh, so with the power or the ability to take your story, some of your customer story, right? So uh, the premise of advocate marketing is, hey, you know, the way that we're trained to work today is to tune a lot of things out because we are bombarded with um, advertisements, companies selling themselves and uh, making claims. And we as a society have learned to shut down a lot of that. We're also a very skeptical society, right? Um, we've learned the marketing tricks. I always like to say we don't live in the age of mad men anymore. Uh, that doesn't work. A brand doesn't get to just decide this is who we are and spin that out and have people accept that. Um, we are so socially connected now that uh, we go to our most trusted sources and it's no longer organizations, it's actually people. 
So as people look to make their purchasing decisions, uh, they really go to their peer network uh, to understand or their tribes. And so the premise of advocate marketing is, you know, how, how do you get to be a part of that conversation? Um, and this really came home to me. I was working for a company called Bombgar. Uh, now it's beyond trust. And, uh, you know, it was very obvious, like you could jump into a conversation on any community or a third party site, but you have no clout when you have that logo next to you because you have an underlying motive and bias. And that's just the facts. Um, but if you could get a customer who's had wonderful success with your platform or your solution to tell their story, uh, then, then that's authentic. Um, that's their experience. They don't have anything to gain by it. And if uh, they are able and willing to share that story, and if they associate their personal story with your brand, you have a much more powerful story to tell. And it's not yours. It's not really your story. It's their story. Mm -hmm. So if you can work with your customers to first make them successful, that's the first thing you have to do, um, but to also build that relationship with them where they feel connected to your brand and they are willing to connect your brand to their personal story, well, that's an amazingly powerful tool. And so that, in essence, for me, is the underlying foundation of advocate marketing. Um, Dino, what would you add? I would, I would just kind of embellish uh, a little bit, Liz, and um, for me, very simply, um, advocate marketing is about having a seat at the table where you otherwise wouldn't have it these days. Companies, uh, they no longer control the narrative, and, and, and in advocate marketing, one of the misconceptions is that somehow advocate marketing controls the narrative of the customer or that you are kind of creating an army of customers who are going to be on brand and on message. And that's not what it is. It's allowing you a space in the conversation and in, uh, in the relationship uh, with, with, your, with your customers, kind of being in the trenches with your customers and inviting your customers to come on in the front doors of uh, your business and uh, be a part of your business's uh, success. Wow. So it, it sounds like it's not just a one-way process of getting the message to go through you and then out your customer's mouths, it seems like you're describing something cyclic where that feedback comes back and their responses help guide the business. Is that accurate? Yeah, hundred percent in, in, in like a, a good, um, healthy, mature uh, scenario uh, with advocate marketing. That's exactly, that's kind of like the, the, the benefit that you want to get to after all businesses are making products or selling services for their customers so why wouldn't you want your customers to be right you know behind closed doors with you and helping you to develop the best products and services for for the market instead of kind of being in you know the the armchair position and and trying to figure out what those products and services um might be so true and as we see the um field of advocate marketing growing, expanding, maturing, and we talked a little bit about this before the call, Jason, um, you know, there's typically advocate marketing typically sits in the marketing department, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. what you're starting to see is this bleeding because when you start to realize the holistic benefits 
of customer engagement and doing that well, there's no way it can be limited to one department. Um, you're starting to look at customer experience. You're definitely looking at customer success because again, you need that foundation of making your customer successful um, and you're bleeding into product sales, of course. So, so all departments have the ability to both enhance the customer relationship and also benefit from the customer relationship. Wow, you know what? In those 30 seconds, I think I just won the game of corporate buzzword bingo. There's a lot, <laughs> of, lot of very important and very topical concepts that you just talked about right there. And they all seem to be wrapped up into advocate marketing in some way. So it seems pretty powerful. Uh, the question I ask you is, since you said it's a growing field, where is it right now? Like I've seen a lot of stats on the benefits, but I didn't find much on the real proliferation of advocate marketing today. Are you still a small tribe? Are you really, really growing? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I'd say that like the tribe from, you know, thinking to, from 2006 until today, it's like a whole new world. There, there are, you know, uh, conferences dedicated to advocate marketing, AdvoCamp, <clears throat> pardon me, being um, a fine example uh, of that. And, you know, you could have upwards of, you know, a thousand uh, practitioners uh, at an event. So, the tribe has definitely grown. Um, what I will say, though, is the um, struggle is still real in some organizations uh, to really kind of break through that barrier of the, the real value of, um, you know, what we call the real ROI relationship uh, obtained investment, that um, spending money, uh, real, you know, real marketing dollars uh, to engage with uh, your existing customers isn't just a nice to do or a nice to have. It is critical uh, if you're going to succeed, you know, in the next year, the next five years, uh, next 10 years. So while the, the practice has grown, the tribe has grown, um, the uh, infrastructure uh, for, uh, for us has grown. Uh, there still is uh, a barrier to break through to really bring the practice of customer engagement uh, into, uh, into the uh, C-suite in some in some uh, businesses. I agree with that. And I think that we're also seeing uh, a gap though in companies who are starting to say, okay, we at least see the benefit of this. We would like to um, break through that barrier of the customer relationship and engagement and how we do that. We do see uh, often a skill set gap. There aren't always uh, enough people who know how to do this fine line of, of customer engagement at scale, but also relationship creation and building that um, brand image and brand relationship. And so we often see organizations having a hard time finding, you know, who are the right people, what are the right skills for that. Hmm. There's two things I wanted to follow up on your two answers there. Uh, the first one from, from you, Dana, was you talked about the struggle is real getting this into the C-suite. And uh, I wonder, because a lot of people hear the word marketing and I ask you whether or not that's where it belongs. Like, is this a top-down initiative? And then the other question, before I forget it, because <laughs> I will do that. Uh, as you were answering there, Liz, um, you talked about um, making sure that uh, you got the right skills in place. I wanted to know from each of you, you know, what are the skills? What makes a good person to not only lead this initiative, but what skills are needed to execute it 
where the rubber meets the road, right? So, um, Dina, you know, is this something that needs to be up in the C-suite? Is this a C-suite initiative? Well, we're seeing um, more and more organizations um, uh, implementing C-level positions really dedicated to the customer, whether it's a chief experience officer or chief customer officer. We are seeing these positions now um, at the executive level. I think, you know, depending on the size of the business, um, certainly for kind of medium to en enterprise, uh, it, having that top-down direction that the customer really needs to be at the heart of everything that we do uh, can, can help to, um, uh, you know, accelerate uh, uh, some of the um, practice uh, inside the business around customer engagement. Um, from where I come from, it was certainly uh, from the ground up. So really a grassrootsy movement and, and in each budget cycle, really fighting for those budget dollars and uh, turning around and, and showing the value kind of cycle after cycle and growing up from there uh, un, until finally kind of getting the, um, you know, the, the seal of approval from the C-suite. But I do think it's important. I think um, when you put in uh, a, a C-level position dedicated to the customer, you now have that oversight and direction that can pull together the customer touch points that are happening across the business. So while we say advocate marketing and, and you know, tr traditionally uh, in marketing, when we start to think about customer success organizations, um, other pockets across a business um, that are engaging with customers, the core um, fundamentals of the practice of advocacy uh, really should apply to anyone who is engaging with the customer and having that, that C-level um, uh, person uh, in place can, can be the glue that ties some of that together. Mm, wonderful, as I listen to you talk about those practices, going back to the buzzword bingo, topic there. I wonder if there's anyone else in the organization that would have the reach and authority to pull together all those disparate pieces, you know, to actually make an initiative like this a priority. That's, that's really interesting. So I guess it, it does make sense that the C-level has to be involved. And right. once they do get involved, they've got to give it to some people who can actually execute it. And Liz, you were talking about making sure those right skills were there. Can you kind of get back into that a little bit? Sure. We've spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, obviously, Dean and I were both practitioners to begin with, and now um, we have worked with hundreds of other practitioners to help with their uh, initiatives in advocate marketing and customer engagement. It's, it's a, it's a well-discussed topic um, because there seems to be a need for quite a few varied skills. Uh, it's a unique position. You are interacting with customers. So you, you absolutely need to have a lot of the softer skills that are, are harder to teach often, such as the ability to connect, to be empathetic. I use the word empathetic a lot um, because mm -hmm. understanding who your advocates are at a human level is essential um, because that's one of the big differences of advocate marketing. You're not just looking at accounts at an account or company name level like you would in Salesforce. You're looking at these people as humans with individual needs, individual goals, aspirations. Mm -hmm. And so having the ability to discern that and to understand what type of experience and opportunities are meaningful and valuable to individuals is a very, um, a very necessary skill. Um, but you also need creativity. How do you engage your customers? 
How do you put things in front of them that make it seem both valuable for them and valuable for you and understand that? How do you make it um, fun and engaging at the same time? But on the other side of the fence, like you just heard Dina talk about the necessary, the necessity of having to uh, look at the results, analyze what's the return on investment, be able to pitch that up a level and be able to, uh, you know, sell what is the value of what we are doing. So you also need to have strong analytical and um, communication skills, both, both for the customer and for internally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we sometimes find is, you know, someone's really good at the creative relationship part, um, but they might need someone above them who is handling the the bigger picture, the bigger strategy. Um, how do we tell our story? What's the actual return on investment? And make sure that they're doing a good job of presenting that because at the end of the day, of course, uh, we always need to show what, what are the results of doing anything that we are doing. Dina, um, skill set, if you could name one or two that were the most important on your list. Oh, wow. Um, geez, you know, I, I often fall back on my, my first career as a, as a journalist. I did my first degree and uh, worked for a number of years as a journalist. And those skills in particular, um, mm-hmm. I have found uh, just hugely useful. Um, journalism, you know, uh, having the, the ability to be an active listener, um, having the ability to know when when to push and and when to back off, how to manage a conversation, um, those skills have been hugely uh, important, and you know obviously the the creative side there as well. I would say um, you know just kind of uh, to riff off of um, your point there, Liz, on the strategy side. Um, oftentimes we see um, practitioners come into the advocate marketing space and maybe they're um, a bit fresher uh, in their careers, um, you know, haven't, haven't moved up the, the, that kind of uh, ladder yet where maybe they're having those bigger strategic conversations. So in the bigger organizations that have kind of more fully fleshed out advocate marketing teams or, you know, a, a department, we see those layers where you have kind of the the um, the practitioner mm-hmm. layer, so kind of the doers, but then there are these um, strategists that are in there. And if you're running advocate marketing and you're doing lots of great things to make your customers happy, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it needs to be driven by strategy and there needs to be a direct connection uh, to the goals and objectives of the business so having that that um, that that ability to um, see the bigger picture to develop strategy uh, is anyone who wants to grow in this space that's where I would say um, they should focus some of their time I would also add though Jason I mean I think Dean and I both started from grassroot side of things mm-hmm. and that's how uh, most people did start with advocate marketing because it was so new and it was a entirely new way of thinking And I would say to those who feel like they don't have that C-level support at this time, not to let it be, you know, the the final word. There's there's so much you can still do and and the value will prove itself. If done well, the value Mm -hmm. will prove itself. And as Dina just said, because what they're looking for is results, right? But when you start seeing results that are hard to ignore, uh, you do start to get that buy-in. And some people have to get that buy-in department by department or peer by peer. Um, but and then we have seen people 
who have started within their department, and it's just a completely one-off departmental initiative, who have now gotten the attention of the C-suite, who now have the C-suite making keynotes and, um, you know, making announcements about the program during keynotes at huge conferences. So we have seen people uh, drive that success even without being at the top of the chain. But Liz, it seems so big. I really want to do something like this. I read the book a long time ago and I'm so far down in my organization. How on earth could I get started? What simple things could I do at the ground level to get started with some advocacy marketing activities at my level? And is there any dynamic duo out there in the world that could help me with that? Any, any one-two combination of people who could help me make that happen? <laughs> I feel like I'm being set up here. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not subtle. I never said I was. But I do. But genuinely, what are some, some basic steps to get started? How could someone start at that ground level if they didn't have much to go with? I think you absolutely can. And, and Dina, you're going to be perfect to answer this because Dina started way back when there weren't even platforms. I mean, she was working off of spreadsheets um, and I came on a little bit later. Um, but, you know, this was my baby, my idea, I, even at the company that I was at. Thankfully, I had a boss who gave me, you know, a little money to play with as far as a platform is related. But, but even before I had a platform or an official program, um, I was thinking of creative ideas to engage customers, even on a campaign basis, to, uh, you know, put something out there of value for them and ask them to just do something in return and build start building relationship. And they were more than willing to do that. In fact, the big surprise for me when I started my community is how willing customers are, if they love your product, to do all kinds of things with you, as long as they find those actions to be valuable to them as well. And um, it, it can start with just one really great idea, one really great campaign. Um, and, and going from there, as you show, wow, look at the interaction, look at the response from our customers on, on this. You know, I think I started without a program before doing some kind of Christmas campaign. And um, just the response from our customer base was enough to say, hey, look, look what they'll do for us if we just ask them, if we just make it fun and engaging and valuable and, and give them something that's exciting about our brand to interact with. Look at what they'll do. And it was easy to make the next step after that. And then the next step after that and the next step. But Dina, you started from the very ground. What, what would you say? Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry to jump in. I'll ask you to say that one more time because I wanted to ask you, what should they be doing for us? I guess it goes back to a little bit of the, the advocate marketing one-on-one what is it that you want advocates to provide and what metrics are you tracking to say that this is successful or not to say that you're getting your roi what are you looking for from these advocates 100 percent. you know go ahead, take that one because you're the yeah, sure yeah yeah it's a great it's a great uh, question of course uh, you know it's all about the results and the results that you're looking uh to get will be different organization to organization but there's definitely some core metrics that uh, are quite common and um, and good to build a, a program around. Um, number one, right off the the top, we we talked about um, the the notion that uh, you know this this isn't uh, Mad Men anymore, uh, that it's peer recommendations uh, and the voice of the peer that matters. So. Um, looking at um, driving results around online reviews or peer reviews is a very, very common kind of first uh, step. So even if you don't know who your customer advocates are, 
very easy flow would be to look at your NPS, look at who those nines and tens or eights, nines and tens are, and develop a, a, an online review campaign uh, directed at those folks. And then based on the results there, continue to engage with another step, another ask, another um, uh, way to um, further develop their relationship. So online reviews being a big one, of course, customers in your content uh, is, is king, customers in your video content, uh, even better user generated content. Um, so going beyond, um, you know, the kind of traditional marketing case study, uh, where we're kind of, you know, telling the story of how our customers love us and are using our products, but instead, really make those stories about the customer and about their success and almost become a side note to their success. But it's a much more compelling uh, story uh, when told um, told that way. Uh, and, and as your program matures and as your relationship with your advocates um, matures, start looking for insights, feedback, um, you know, uh, how, how is this product working for you? What would you like to see us change? Um, can you tell us what it is, um, uh, you know, what, what the climate is out there uh, in your role, in the market, in the field? Um, so moving into trusted uh, input and advice from your customers, I would say, uh, those are certainly some of the, um, you know, low-hanging low fruits. Uh, and moving on to the revenue side, um, references and referrals are huge. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are pleasantly surprised at um, uh, how willing happy customers are to recommend uh, your goods and services uh, to their, their peers through uh, a well-run referral program. Uh, those are kind of the big ones for me that, you know, remember the three R's, the reviews, references and referrals uh, as metrics that certainly will speak to uh, the people in charge at, at your at your business. Interesting. Interesting. I'll, I'll be a little bold. I've been talking to uh, guys in mass marketing over at uh, uh, big firms. They all had some of the same things to to mention about getting these referrals to grow from all of their perspective. They said that a sales team that is well incentivized for those metrics you talked about have some of the skills that Liz referenced. And each of them was saying that, you know, getting sales involved in working some of these angles can be very helpful. Have you seen that be effective in, you know, the ground level, like where the rubber meets the road involving sales in some of this advocate work through incentives and compensation? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, depending on how your organization is set up, if your sales folks um, have, uh, you know, if you have client directors or, you know, however your sales organization is set up, you always, as, as the advocate marketer, you always need to be mindful that in many ways you are the air traffic controller. People have existing relationships inside your business with these advocates, with these customers. Um, you know, many times that existing relationship is with someone in sales. And your job as the advocate marketer is to make that salesperson or that relationship uh, holder's uh, job easier uh, to develop the relationship deeper uh, with them and, uh, and their clients. So if you have a sales organization that is involved at that level, um, con continuing that uh, involvement absolutely and anytime you can get sales to be involved or interested in what you are doing it's a win we often say Jason when we go to help customers launch new 
advocacy programs that the one department you cannot keep uninformed <laughs> is the sales department um, because their, their collaboration is key. And um, because they are often those relationship holders, um, and we also look to sales very much for on the recruiting effort side as well. We realize that sales has an immense impact on the ability to recommend being part of such a program and to get people involved early in the sales cycle, sometimes even as prospects. So um, they are definitely key players. And anything that's happening that's wonderful goodness inside of your advocacy program, uh, like Tina said, it's important to keep those relationships open and uh, make sure that your sales rep also knows what are these acts of activity that are taking place. Um, as far as incentivizing the sales team, yeah, we've definitely heard about that, right? Like should sales be incentivized based on how much advocacy their, their accounts are um, providing? We've also heard a bit about that on the CS side as well. You know, um, if, if advocacy is an indicator of long-term success, retention, cross-sell, whatever that might be, should CSMs be incentivized around the level of advocacy a customer is providing to the organization? So these are conversations that are definitely happening in the field. Excellent, excellent. And I, I won't mask my excitement for the concept. I really believe that on both fronts, the, the forgotten sales goldmine of CSMs and the, the uh, non-sales touches they get to have with customers, that unvarnished truth that they get to have, um, I'm looking for someone to help me understand why you shouldn't at least give it a shot. At least put some, even if it's not mandatory incentives, some bonuses, some if you get a chance to get some advocacy, here's some extra money you could get. Uh, that's not total incentive compensation. You know, I have, I have no reason why someone shouldn't at least give it a shot. That, that seems like such an easy win for people to take advantage of. But you talked about new projects. And I know that you two have a new project that's going on with a <laughs> wonderful, wonderful name. Uh, please tell the world all about it and how we can uh, learn more about it from you. Absolutely. So um, um, our name is Captivate Collective, and uh, the word captivate is specifically um, based around our, our ability to help others capture their audience and then activate them um, through strategic services and, you know, just a, just a wealth of having helped a million other customers go through this thought revolution of what is our relationship with our customers and what is the benefit of that relationship when it comes to our organization? Dina, what are you at? Well, you, you've unpacked Captivate. I'll unpack um, Collective. And having Collective uh, is, is very intentional and meaningful uh, to Liz and I in our ethos. We've always been willing to give and to share our knowledge uh, in this practice. Um, you know, uh, in working together in a lot of the education uh, that we've provided to hundreds of practitioners, uh, it really is about helping other people really get great uh, at, at what they want to do, uh, because we believe so strongly uh, with um, the, the power and potential of this practice. So with the collective piece of Captivate Collective, what we're looking to do is build kind of a hive of um, practitioners, thought leaders, uh, experts who have some knowledge to share. 
you know, not mon not monetizing this piece of the business, but really making uh, the collective uh, a place that you can go to learn, uh, where you can network, where you can be a part of what is still very much a movement uh, in in the world of uh, marketing and beyond CS. You you name it. So that's the collective piece. That that piece is very important to us. Of course, um, you know you'll 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 see uh, the collective grow over time um, as we uh, engage with more folks. We've got some invitations out at the moment, uh, having just launched this week. So I think you'll see some movement on the collective uh, piece of our business over the next couple of weeks. And if anyone uh, who's listening is uh, interested uh, in contributing uh, to the collective, then by all means, look us up. I know someone who wants to contribute, and that's me. I can't <laughs> think of any other way to end this conversation with you guys then let's speak directly to the audience and give a little bit of our passion for the whole concept uh, to invite them to join. And if you don't mind, I'd love to start and let you guys have the final word. I just want to say to everyone out there that's listening right now, as a guy who's been screaming at the top of my lungs for advocate marketing for a long time, and for those of y'all who know me and my philosophy, I've talked to you forever about the fact that your sales funnel, which is the lifeblood of your business, is not a funnel shape. It's not a triangle. It's an hourglass. And it goes from this large base of your, uh, your prospects and your potential customers through a very small period of transaction out into the long life cycle, the total life cycle of your customer, where you're trying to capture the total lifetime value of that client. And at the top of that funnel, you should have as many advocates as possible out there referring business back to you. And if you're not working on that top half of your hourglass shaped funnel, you're losing out on opportunities to grow your business. Picture this, if your business lives on apple pies, then all of your potential customers, those are the apples. What you do with the sales process is you baking the pies and making those deals and feeding your business. But your advocates at the top, those are the apple trees. And those can't be bought or acquired. They have to be grown. Start growing your apple trees right now. What would you all say to that? Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I would applaud. I would applaud, Jason. I love that picture. And I would say, even beyond um, from a funnel perspective of new business, when you are thinking about your strategy when it comes to your current customers, who we know are a huge source of revenue for any organization, uh, especially any SaaS organization, uh, what you do with that relationship, right? From from the moment they're a prospect to the moment that they sign that contract to the time they launch your product to their first very frustrating support call. Um, all those pieces, how you interact with that customer, how you have organized and designed what that relationship should be like on an ongoing basis and what the opportunities are for that customer when they align their story to your brand. What, what is the value to them of that? So that is a strategy that you need to have thought through because there is so much potential and revenue on the table when it comes to that. So not to mention um, the, the image of the apple tree and the ability to grow more and more and more new accounts from these current customers as well. Wonderful. Dina, take us home. Well, you know, if I would have to sum up the role of the ad advocate marketer uh, to the, the picture that you've painted, your job is to water that tree. I love it. I love it. 
For those of you all who have got a toe in the water and you're not sure how to begin, uh, you've got a fantastic team here at the Captivate Collective here to help you out. Wonderful resources like The Messenger is a Message to go out and read and to grow your knowledge. And if you don't really feel you have the, the resources to invest right now, you can still come be a part of the collective and join the tribe and uh, get enough knowledge and give enough knowledge to keep the movement going. So thank you, everybody. We really appreciate you joining. Ladies, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Jason. It was our pleasure. Thank you so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Sales Synergistics Podcast. You guys have a great, wonderful weekend. Stay safe and stay home. Bye.